This is Rob Stone from Duns Creek Baptist Church, and you are listening to Duns Creek Conversations, a weekly podcast about faith, growth, discovery, and the journey that God is taking each and every one of us on. Today on the podcast, I am joined by three young women who I have known since they were in their freshman years of college, Karina Aragon Buchanan, Mallory Awesome, and Danielle Jordan. Today, all three of these women serve in various churches and on church staffs, and they have grown into incredible friends. So we're going to talk on the podcast today about the value of Christian sisterhood, the importance of strong Christian female friendships for women who are discovering what it's like to serve in ministry, to deal with all of the difficulties, the ups and downs that come with that. And we're also going to have a very frank conversation about how we can greater elevate and encourage the voices of women within the church. So let's go ahead and dive right in to my conversation with Karina, Danielle, and Mallory. Give us a little bio, um, tell us who you are, where you're from, what do you do, Mm -hmm. um, a a little bit about yourself, and uh, we will go, not that the listeners will be able to know this at all, but we'll go ahead and just go in uh, in clockwise order. Uh, So that'll start with with Karina Aragon Buchanan. Um, Okay, hello, uh, Rob, thanks for having me. Um, Like, well, like you said, my name's Karina. I am, what are my questions? Where am I from? I'm originally from St. Cloud, Florida, which is about 45 minutes outside of Orlando, in case you're wondering. Uh, Yeah, but I currently live in Jacksonville, uh, Florida. And what's the other question? What do I do? Um, I do a lot of things. Currently, um, I'm the social media coordinator for the Florida Theater um, in downtown Jacksonville, as well as the interim associate youth director at Christ Episcopal Church in Ponte Vedra, Florida. Um, But come August, I will go full-time as the interim associate and and just be doing that, um, working for the youth ministry at Christ Episcopal. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm Mallory. My last name is Awesome. And... (laughs) Um, what do I do? I am the creative director for Colonial Church, and I'm also, uh, I'm transitioning into a part-time photographer, and I own my own photography business. Yeah, my name's Danielle Jordan. (laughs) Um, I am the communication specialist at Anastasia Baptist Church. I love it. Um, and my role has changed a little bit over time. I started as the receptionist. And then just started taking more on my plate. And then my boss was like, hey, I want you to take your job description now that you that you were hired with, and then I want you to add on what you've been doing. And it went from one page to three. <laughs> so he said, we should move you up. So I got promoted, and I love it. And I've worked there for four years in December. That's crazy. wild, y'all. That's insane. Four, I know. Oh my gosh, I was gonna say like two. Four. Oh my goodness. That's wild. It's, yeah. Now, all three of you, well, Mallory's from St. Augustine, mm-hmm. but Karina and Danielle came to St. Augustine to attend Flagler College. Yes. And go I, Saints. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> just going to keep doing this the go, whole time. <laughs> go Saints. You're an alum. You can cheer on yeah, you. Yeah, know, yeah. Undefeated football team. Yeah. You know, love <laughs> there it, it is. Yes. So I, I assume that you all met at Flagler College. So how? So here, my question is really, how, how did you meet? Um, how long ago was it that you all met? How long mm-hmm. have you known each other? 
And um, what were your first impressions of mm. one another? I think because of you that, I mean, I want to yeah. say because of you is the reason that Essentially. we all really met. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, through Fusion. Fusion was like the center connection for all of that. I met Danielle first in, at Fusion, but we weren't really tight at the beginning. I we don't just, have any memories of meeting no. you at Fusion. I don't either. I, I only remember Passion. Yeah, yeah. We roomed at Passion together yes. with Jenny. yes. That was when our friendship became. That's amazing. And then Karina. 2011. So that's seven years yeah, ago. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And then Karina, we met through Fusion. But Instagram. No, through Leah. Well, yeah. Yeah. But we were Instagram friends like, yeah, before we were. that. Oh. Yeah. Because at the time you were living in Atlanta. Us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was posting all the coffee photos. Yeah. Yeah. Girl. And then Danielle um, was my freshman year Bible study leader. So that's how I met Danielle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we ended up becoming friends outside of that later on. Mm-hmm. But initially, yeah. I think as far as first impressions go, my first impression of you was you're gorgeous and loud. <laughs> this is her talking to Mallory. <laughs> yes, sorry, yes, Mal. Uh, I was like, she's gorgeous and loud, which is still true. <laughs> gorgeous and loud. Yeah. yeah. Those are great descriptions. And then with Karina, <laughs> I was trying to dig into my memory and imagine you like before you were in my Bible study. Yeah. I think I have a memory of us being in like, like Rob used to break us up into small groups where uh-huh. we like turn our chairs uh-huh. around in the student center. Yeah. And I think you were in one of mine with Arden. Yeah, that could be true. Or something. And then I remember, so I don't really remember like having an opinion at that point. I think we just right. like were yeah, there. Me too. And then when you came to my Bible study, I remember thinking, She's very engaged, but very private. Yeah, and really like, quiet. Right. Yeah, very engaged. Like she was very engaged, but very private and closed off. Yeah, mm-hmm. sounds about not necessarily in a bad way. Right, just like a yeah, you know, which is hilarious because you're such an extrovert. Yes, but you were like, you know, yeah, right. throwing it out. Right. I think a level of that too was that you were like this older, like, college girl or whatever, and I didn't quite know you. Yeah, that's and fair. so Rob just like put us together through a Facebook Messenger. Yeah, <laughs> sounds about right. And so I was like, I was like super out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Just freshman Karina from right. college. First time I, I love freshman Karina. The first time we hung out, I did photos of you. Yeah, it was for Leah's journalism project yes. or something. That is how Karina and I met. Yeah, that is too. essentially how we met. Yeah, she just randomly took photos, I took of, photos me. of her. Yeah, that seems appropriate for you. Yeah, though. yeah it seems, for seems sure. like there's a lot of people bonds, who for like sure. you meet through the lens of your camera. Yeah, yeah. pretty much yeah. forms connections. So yeah. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But thinking about that, thinking about first impressions, yeah. it's friendships are hard to form. Yeah. And not only are friendships hard to form, as you learn in college, I feel like college just, um, college has this way of exacerbating this, which is right. in college you have seasonal relationships. Mm-hmm. There are people who they may be very strong friends, they may be in your season, they may be in your life for a season, but that season ends and there's not animosity there but just the the lifespan of that relationship is over yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and yeah. one of the hardest things about growing up is learning to make peace with that mm-hmm. that there's a season for relationships mm-hmm. but also then understanding the relationships <clears throat> you want to maintain in your life you recognize how much work they take how yeah. much how much management it takes to just maintain friendships that are important to you and are a priority to you and so knowing that forming and maintaining relationships can be so hard and can be so difficult 
how have the three of you managed to stay close, to, to stay in relationship together while continuing to make space for each other, not only to change and grow, but also to go through very new seasons? I mean, mm-hmm. two, two of the three of you are married. Um, you've gone through career changes. You've gone through relationships. You've yeah. gone through moves. You've, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. one of you went to go live on another continent. I mean, right, mm-hmm. right. The, there's so much that you've gone through. So, how have you? How have the three of you specifically maintained this friendship and maintained this close bond that you have together? Yeah. And how have you chosen to do that um, through shifting seasons of your lives? Um, for Mallory and I, our friendship really started right before she moved to Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was, she had, um, planned to move to Australia for a year and we had, yeah, like I said, we had just become friends right before that. And mm-hmm. it, it seemed almost like a, like a slippery slope for our friendship. Like we just became so close so quickly. Um, and it seemed to like, we, ha- we had a lot in common and, mm-hmm. and, we just jived very well with one another. Mm-hmm. And then I was also going through a lot of uh, relational changes in my life with the, the friendships I had at that time and just realizing what was important to me and people and what I wanted to pursue for myself and inevitably right. in people. Right. And so my perspective changed on just all of that. And, and in that time, uh, Mallory was like a safe space for me because there were many times where I would FaceTime her from my bathtub in my college apartment. And mm. she was like, because she was so far removed from everyone, I felt like I was able to just speak. Mm. And like there was nothing that I needed to prove to her or anything like that. She was right. able to just listen to me. Yeah. And it was just extremely fascinating that she was living in Sydney. Like I didn't know closer. anybody. Yeah. And how she, it was just, she ex- exemplified a lot of bravery and yeah. strength to me because she just picked up and decided to move to Australia for the yeah. year. Yeah. Um, and, and, and in that, like, endured a lot. And so we were able yeah. to kind of yeah. do that for both yeah. of us. Well, at the same time, you were a safe space for me. Right. Because you were far removed from what I was going through right. there. So I wasn't going to talk to the people there. That's really true. About what I was yeah. going through. I talked to you about right. it. Right. Yeah. So that's really cool. For sure. For sure. It's really true. Yeah. And then, well, with Danielle, I would say our our relationship has just... Ebb and flow. Oh, man. Ebb and flow. Girl. All day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what started off as like uh, a mentorship of kinds. I remember being so um, in awe of your knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like I, I felt like I wanted to be a sponge in your spaces. It was the first time there was a lot of first for me in your in your study. I remember it was a time for me spiritually that was evolving very quickly, and and I was didn't know what was happening. Yeah. And so, and I was scared. And so I was able, I mean, I remember the first time I was so private. I remember the first time I like cried around strangers was in Danielle's Bible study. I remember. (laughs) So it was like very freeing. And I think that it locked, even though we didn't know at the time, it locked in our bond because Mm. I was able to share that and and you allowed a space for that for me. And so in my mind, like subconsciously, it's like, oh, this girl is like solid. Um, I'm able to, she pulled out a, like, like, you were not trying to do that. It was, you allowed a space for me to explore and to learn, and and it it resulted in something as simple, 
more or less simple as tears, but for me was a very big deal at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then over time, it just, it, it evolved as we evolved, um, yeah. mm-hmm. just through relationships, yeah. romantic and like platonic. And yeah. It sounds like <laughs> safety is like our thread. Yeah. A safe yeah. place. Very safe. 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 Very yeah. safe. And I think yeah. part of that too is we've grown together so much, like as individuals, yeah. but like mm-hmm. together. And as you get older, um, you realize that your paths are merging or they're going the other direction. Totally. And our paths yeah. have just grown together. We've merged so well yeah. that we all, I would say of the three of us, I used to be, well, I probably still am in some ways, like the neediest. Mm. Mm. Like, um, I definitely, that's something I've worked on. And I don't know, Rob, if that's one of the things you would say I've worked on over the last four years, but I would say it is. <laughs> I've mm. chilled out a lot. Anyways, um, I think if I had if I had still been that way, we would not be like this. No, because the way we all work so well is we are probably now I would say the most like least needy people, like not high maintenance, like yeah, lots of space to breathe and lots of space to explore Mm -hmm. ourselves. But we are like anchors that hold each other. Yeah, so I feel very free to like say things to I wouldn't say to anybody else. Yeah, Yeah, because that's right. This is a lot of freedom there, and I know that I'm, I'm comfortable to be myself. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we're the same. Yeah, for so, yeah. Sure. The word that came to my mind was like champion. Like I feel like through life, like and all of us have been through so many different seasons. We've n- constantly championed each other on. Yeah, and I think so that's true. like why we feel like we have such a safe space because, like, we've all gone through so many like highs and lows. Right. Like through life in general Mm -hmm. and we've not once like in those times like we just constantly encourage and I think that's like Danielle's encouragement like bleeding out into me and Karina because Mm -hmm. we're like we feel something off of her encouragement so we're like we're gonna encourage her back right Mm -hmm. you know you need to be encouraged just as much as we do yeah but it's like I feel like through everything we've just constantly championed each other on and and just spoken life over one another Mm -hmm. and then there's so much beauty with like speaking life you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. think that's brought life. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask this as a, as a follow-up question mm-hmm. to that. You, you talked about this idea of safety being this kind of through line in the relationship and mm-hmm. providing a safe space, room, you know, kind of gracious room to let people grow mm-hmm. and change. And, and, and I think that's a big, you know, I think one of the reasons that relationships don't survive right. over, you know, if if the relationship is rigid mm-hmm. and there isn't the room to change the relationship oh, yeah. dies or the yeah. people suffer the yeah. people the yeah. people stop growing because of it For sure but you have this safe space with plenty of room with mm-hmm. plenty of gracious room yeah. where not only is there room to change and grow but there's also this very healthy thing that happens in the context I think especially of Christian relationships and and this is this is true of men and women but this context of Christian relationships that you said Mal which is championing each other and championing each other to and not even thinking about it like to right or wrong things but just what are the life-giving things Mm -hmm. that that what are the things that knowing each other and caring deeply for each other, loving each other, mm-hmm. means that you want to <clears throat> champion each other on. You want to cheerlead each other into the things that are going to give life right, and, yeah, and bring right. more life into yeah. your relationship. How has that been? Uh, how have you seen that specifically be so crucial 
especially in you know early and mid twenties, as you go through these. Inc- I mean, the quarter life crisis, mm-hmm. the, the yeah. graduate mm-hmm. college, and then go now what? Right. And yeah. there's yeah. massive amounts of questions. And what are you going to do with your life? Speak to my soul, Rob. So, but but talk <laughs> about the specifics where having these kind of relationships where there's room. Mm-hmm. To try to answer those questions and figure out who you are and who you want to be. Yeah. But also in the context of this relationship where there are women who love you going, we're for you on your side. And we want not just what's best for you, but we specifically want what is God's best for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Why is, where has that been so important in, in the relationship? It's easy when you're in the church to feel like your relationships can only be one thing Mm -hmm. and they can only be about certain things yeah and I feel like for us we've sort of inverted that almost like I actually wrote this somewhere in my notes my 20 pages of notes (laughs) that are sprawled out across the table but um our relationship our foundation of our relationship is Jesus right yeah but we don't have to talk about him for him to be the foundation. Right. Yeah. We do yeah. obviously speak of yeah, him. He's the yeah, biggest yeah, part yeah. of our lives. But like, we have so many other things in common. Yeah. And while Jesus is the foundation of what keeps us together, like the house is built of so many different things. Yeah. Like different right. styles and types and different things. Totally. Mm-hmm. And we're all such different people. Mm-hmm. Like we are so different. So different. So, yeah. different. so different. And that I think is what makes it good. And for me, it's just been really refreshing because relationships in the church don't always have to look one way and be so square, like on 90 degree angles. They can, yeah, be, totally. they can be circular and have... Totally. Yeah. Um, they don't have to have sharp corners and, and cut people off or do things, but like they can be open and conversational yeah. and flow well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to talk to you guys about things, you know, that have helped me open up more and cause mm-hmm. I can tend yeah. to be closed off too. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think just, um, being able to know that I can t- talk to people that are also in ministry yeah. and feel like I'm comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Saying things that I wouldn't be comfortable saying yeah. to like. I don't know. Yeah. Anybody else. Yeah. And if we believe that Jesus is in all things and whatever we're talking about, like Jesus is there. Mm. Um, and and yeah. like what Danielle is saying, like everything we, we live for is, is a platform off of what we believe Jesus to be. So if that is to be true, whether we're talking about our phenomenal day or our really difficult day in our own aspects of working in ministry or whatever else we're doing, like Jesus is present. And I think there's like a really sweet sense of solidarity in knowing that even if I don't ask Danielle or Mallory to be praying for me, they are. Mm -hmm. And, And that's really comforting for me to know um, because um, I'm a type two on the Enneagram, so if you know Same. what that means, <laughs> it just means that um, I will, I like secretly want to be needed, but I would never like, say so. Will never say that, me. and I will ask you all the questions. So I will never like. It's difficult sometimes for me to ask people yeah. like to pray for me or to mm-hmm. whatever, um, or to think of me or whatever that may be. But yeah. but I know that they're doing it regardless of that. Yeah. yeah. And on another aspect outside of the church society, as as women. Um, we, we have grown up in a society that are constantly women against women. Mm-hmm. And so you see it in, in movies and in mm-hmm. beauty pageants and talk shows and whatever. It's always like it's the, the woman wants to be on top and there's yeah. no solidarity in that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's been such a sense uh, or a sweet sense of 
just no competition in our relationships. There's mm. like, so I'm not proving yeah. it. I'm not trying to prove anything to Danielle and I'm not trying to prove anything to Mallory because they know exactly who I am. Yeah. And, um, well. and they've allowed me to like, show that so I mean there's I mean there's not even a point for me to fake it because they're gonna call me yeah. out on it <laughs> you know so true so That's really good care so it just really yeah I sense a lot of that yeah awesome yeah yeah I just like I sense us like I feel like we've just constantly linked arms yeah, and that's a good way we've been it. next to each other, but we've been in a straight line. Like we haven't been like one of, in front of the other. Right. We've always just been like, just in a straight line, linked arms together. Like so. The reservoir dogs. Oh my! <laughs> I knew you were thinking of something in your head. All three of you currently work in churches, and yet none of the three of you work in the same church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there also has to be some some safety in that, some safe space in that, because yeah. you can oh, yeah. you can be. Yeah. Just sisters, just friends. You 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 don't have to approach it as people who are yeah. serving on a staff together yeah. and dealing with all the drama that comes with that. Right. What was it like to sense a call to ministry? What was it like to sense that, hey, a door is opening for me to serve in the church in a way that I would have never expected, mm. but it feels like God is really giving me a sense of peace about this and just opening... As he's opening a door, you begin to step through it. Mm-hmm. Why? So first of all, tell me about that. Yeah. And then why has it been so important to have a relationship like this as you have wrestled with call to ministry, as you have wrestled with, is this really what God is saying to me? As you have wrestled with, ministry is hard. Yeah. And there are wonderful <clears throat> days. There are phenomenal days. And then there are days that you don't know that you'll get up and do it again the next day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, <laughs> they're all looking at me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, yeah, when I, my season in Atlanta, I had the idea of, uh, the idea came in my mind of like, what would it be like? Because I graduated from Flagler with a graphic design degree. And I was, when I was living in Atlanta, uh, my husband, Chris, boyfriend at the time, was in Australia at Hillsong. And... I had up to move to Atlanta thinking, like, this is where we're going to end up. This is where I want to live. I have such a heart for this place. And during that time, I was attending a church. I was attending Pastor and City Church, and I was like, you know, it'd be cool. I met their graphic designer, and he's an awesome guy. And I was like, I wonder what it would be like if I was a graphic designer in a church one day. And then, long story short, Chris ended up telling me he was staying in Sydney for another year. So that thought quickly left my mind, and I moved back home to find out that Matt and Jill McClurry were thinking of planting a church in St. Augustine. They told Chris and I like the week before we left. And when they said that, they kind of just, we left with that thought in our mind. And that was pretty much all we left with was just the thought. We were like, that's really cool. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna pray about it. And we're gonna, they're, we're gonna like go to Sydney and make the most out of our time there, but also pray for Matt and Jill as they have this on their heart mm-hmm. that they want to bring to St. Augustine because mm-hmm. it's definitely something unique. And so why we were in Sydney, um, Jill and I were already friends and we were texting back and forth and she told me that they were moving forward with the church and she kind of just had me start uh, designing logos and mm-hmm. signs and stuff like that here and there and like a you know, like a tithing card and stuff like that and an invite card to church. And I was like, okay, so I would stay up until like 2 to 3 a.m. because it was daylight here, it was nighttime there. And I would stay up late 
doing that and I just found such it just it naturally kind of happened it wasn't anything that was like this is what I'm gonna do um because at that time Chris was halfway through his second year of college and he can go up to three-year degree program there so I had moved there to be with him so I kind of was trusting God in that and letting it be Chris's decision whether we were going to move back to St. Augustine or not Mm -hmm. um so while we were in Sydney towards the last month there Chris and I had a lot of conversations and we ended up deciding to move back to St. Augustine to help Matt and Jill plant the church because we just, I feel like God individually just, just stirred something up within our hearts. Mm -hmm. Um, and it kind of just happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I was going to come home and be the creative director for this church. It just happened and God used my gifts and I was doing something that I loved. There have been many conversations where we've definitely had and talked about, you know, our decisions, each of us, for, Mm -hmm. like, our job and our roles Mm -hmm. and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And those conversations have been challenging, and we each, I think, pull out. We challenge each other in pulling out, like, why are you doing this? Like, what is God speaking into you that's really challenging you to go for this? Like, where do you think you're going to go? And I don't know. I just feel like through that, through this friendship, it's only brought us closer. And I think it's unique how yeah. God has us serving in, you know, three different churches. Yeah. Because I feel like God sees us individually as women of, as his daughters. And he sees us and he knows that we each have something to bring. Yeah. So instead of us yeah. all being in one place, we each bring it to a different place. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think there's something so beautiful in that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 I'm actually more interested to hear Karina talk about this because you yeah. didn't start in ministry. Yeah. No. You like, it just happenstance. It was like, a, to simply put it, <laughs> it was like walking straight into a clear glass door that you thought was an exit to the outside and you thought it was open. Um, and it so wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that like there's a YouTube fail video somewhere 100%. of you smacking into the glass. Yeah, and okay. it's like titled "Karina figures out she's supposed to be in ministry." <laughs> like that's what it's like. That's literally what like, it is. Um, so I recall being in third grade and loving third grade so much that I decided that I was going to be a teacher because I just loved the way that my teacher made me feel and made learning so much fun and I wanted to do that for other kids. Mm -hmm. And so um, as I got older, um, I had some key people in my life who um, happened to be adults with intellectual disabilities. And so I felt this ginormous heart for um, the student population um, of, of kids with with intellectual and physical disabilities. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is my calling. Like my calling is going to be to work as a third grade teacher for kids with special needs. Like that, this is it. And so I was um, at a school, I was at a private Christian school at the time and it did not have a special needs program. And so I made a PowerPoint with my parents and was talking about why I needed to move to public school because they had best buddies and public school had like a a special education like um sector of the high school where I was able to to work in and so long story short I ended up moving to this high school end up really I like really locked in that that's what I wanted to do and and I loved it I spent my entire entire senior year um in my classrooms and then every free time I got I spent it in um the kitchen with like with the kids and and with the, the high schoolers there at my high school um and, and I just, I just like, I loved it and I was so passionate about it. I, I had mapped out um, that I was going to 
go to Flagler because I also, like, Flagler was my dream school. It was the only mm-hmm. school I applied to. And it just so happened to have a special education degree. And um, that felt like a total God thing. And I mapped out that I was going to go get my master's afterwards and specialize in autism and, like, all of, like the whole nine yards. And I, I was, like, uh, dabbling on thinking about um, teaching abroad and not teaching mm-hmm. in the U.S. And, and, and that's kind of where my heart and my mind was. Um, and I felt really strongly about it. And so came to Flagler and... Uh, things just started to shift there were opportunities I, I I like called off the whole God thing for a little while as you do as a as someone who was um, kind of sheltered growing up and moves to college for the first time and it's mm-hmm. like essentially their first sleepover and so I I did that whole cliche thing and and just found like it was just truly not where where I like what I wanted or who I was and so that's when I found myself under your leadership at fusion and, and just um exploring I mean Rob like you were you were the the first person to tell me that I was allowed to ask God questions like so that was huge right so that opened up a whole other door for me that was just you know and so as I explored that and and I made friendships and I learned and and so I made mistakes and I picked myself up from those uh fast forward to my senior year of college it's my second to last semester so um, your senior year at Flagler as an education major your second semester is an internship and so I was one semester away from that and I woke up one day and just I dreaded it I was like the idea of going into the classroom for my practicum hours like I loved hanging out with the kids but I hated the curriculum like I just hated it and I just didn't like it I found myself miserable I was complaining all the time I was dating my now husband at the time as well and I just remember telling him like I just I this is miserable I don't like it like what am I gonna do I'm like I'm almost done with my degree I'm not gonna just switch my major like that's not gonna happen and and so um I I had to start from scratch and 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 but the thing is no one had ever exemplified to me that you there are other things you can do with that degree and so I met Jessica Moore um, and she was um, uh, she was the interim after you left um, for for the college uh, ministry at ABC and and we grew really close and she was the first woman who exemplified uh, women leadership in the church for me that was a tangible grasp and and she went to Flagler as well with an education degree and and uh, realized that she did not want to teach in the classroom as well. It, it was our paths aligned so beautifully. It was like as if God had it done that way, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, that was the first time I felt like I was able to take a fresh breath of air. And so then it, it spiraled into that, into realizing that ministry was something that I actually was really passionate about. And I started to really ask questions about the church. And I started to really um, question like the spaces that I had been brought up in and, and the the faith communities that I've been involved in and what other faith communities looked like outside of mine. And, and, you know, it's just a a snowball effect. Mm -hmm. And so um, I actually started, I I got my first taste of that here at Colonial and as their children's director. And so I I got the first taste of what that even looked like. And and Colonial at the time was, I mean, it, it still is, it's a church plant. So it was all from scratch. I mean, completely mobile, it still is, like constantly moving every week. Um, and so I got a really good taste of what that looked like for me there. And I realized that that like working with kids and getting to tell them that it's okay to ask questions mm-hmm. and, and allowing mm-hmm. just the platform for them to explore was something that was just like incredible for me. Mm-hmm. I just so happened to tell that to someone at the right place at the right time. 
and um, this person was Rachel McNeil, and, and I got a text from her saying, I have this internship for my youth ministry, and I want you to sign up. And I was like, that's sweet, but no. Mm-hmm. Fast forward a few months, I end up being an intern for her for a year, and she has now left that church, and I'm now the interim. And yeah. so it's just wild the way that it has evolved in that, and, and how that ties in with that very long story, and how that ties in with Danielle and Mallory has just been that they've just been these constants ever yeah. since then. Mm-hmm. And Mallory and I worked briefly together here at Colonial, and despite all of that, she was this like guiding light for me mm-hmm. and allowed me to just explore and allowed and questioned, like mm-hmm. even questioned me and was like, is this something that, you know, is this logical? Is this emotional? Like, you know, this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Those are important questions to ask. And, and, and it's the same with Danielle. It's just constant, like, okay, let's start from the beginning. Like, what does this look like for you? And allowing me to just also just vent. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, as you can probably tell, I'm a talker. And so like, I'm an external processor who needs yep. to like, process everything a few times all jumbled and eventually it makes sense and so Mm -hmm. and they've allowed me to do just that and and have again like using that term championing like they have championed me um as I've discovered this like true like my really locking in my calling into youth ministry and 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 I mean it's gonna I know that it's gonna advance even more from that um yeah that's so cool that's awesome yeah i'm not i mean mine's like kind of boring i just feel like it kind of pales in comparison to what you guys said but um so i have i have a unique experience because i'm in two kinds of ministry i'm behind the scenes ministry and i'm platform ministry so i have always been musical my entire life i had the same music teacher from kindergarten through 12th grade uh, Mrs. Goodnight, and she last, not last year, yeah, last year, she, um, like, was 56 years old and randomly died. It was, like, this mm-hmm. crazy thing. Um, so, obviously, love her to death. Um, but, anyway, I've always been very musical, and I was in choir, and I loved singing, and then my senior year of high school, my worship director at my high school, I went to a private Christian school, too, like Karina, approached me and said, hey, I have a spot on the worship team. I really think you should, like, try out. Like, I I think you'd be great for it. And he said, I don't want you to do it because I'm telling you you're a good singer and I think you'd be great. But he's like, you should try. Just try out. Um, So I tried out, and he thought I fit really well. And so I started singing on the praise team, which apparently is a very old-school thing to say. People are like, they're not praise teams anymore. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Anyway, it was a praise team, um, not a worship team or whatever. So I was on the praise team, I loved it. And then I came to Flagler, Chris pulled me out and was like, I really want you to sing with us. And um, it was, I think a year or so after that, that Lindsay ended up phasing out and doing something new. And so um, I ended up getting really plugged in and I loved that. And that's just like advanced over time. Mm-hmm. And I would pro- I would consider myself a worship leader now when back mm-hmm. I was just like a singer. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I mean, I, you're you're on you're on the stage Saturday nights, Sunday mornings, pretty much every weekend at mm-hmm. Anastasia. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I try to be uh, strict about boundaries because I want to make sure that I maintain the joy. And I, I obviously I'm a volunteer worship leader, mm-hmm. but I am like obsessed with it. It's like the best thing I've ever done, and um, I feel like I've really grown in that. I've had a lot of like, like Mal has seen me recently, and she came up to me and she was like, I cried. <laughs> That just meant a lot to me because I like touched her, you know, yeah. and that's yeah. something that I just grown in, and I feel like that I have that call. 
But I know that's not my full-time call. I know that's a call on my life, but it's not my job. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2014, I was like hopping around jobs and trying different things. And Walter West was like, hey, our senior pastor of Anastasia was like, hey, our receptionist is about to retire. I think you'd be great. He's like, this is really random, but you should just send your resume in and see what happens. And I did, and I got hired. And so it really was just an accident that I got plugged into like behind the scenes ministry. Um, and I fell in love with that too. We like talk all the time about stuff that's going on at church and it's not ever weird. It's not Mm-mm. like, oh, we're doing this and you're doing that. Yeah. Also, we're like very different denominations yeah. and very yeah. different things going on. Yeah. But we have a safety to like speak to one another openly about what's going on and I know that I can vent about something and you can and you can and that's safe right you know it's not gonna leave our group chat yeah 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 Hmm. in the sisterhood that you have you you have an interesting thing which is Karina you uh served in an Episcopal church Mm -hmm. um Mallory you serve in a non-denominational church plant that would probably be most similar to Assemblies of God probably um, non mm-hmm. evangelical mm-hmm. Yeah. Pentecostal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would totally agree. With um, that. And, and and Danielle, you served in a Southern Baptist church, mm-hmm. and so what I want to ask is really a question for you about as women, mm-hmm. as women serving in these three distinct cultures, church, church cultures, three distinct denominations, or or, or kind of um, flavors of the church. Yeah, nice, good yeah. word. Um, <laughs> How have you been, how have you felt empowered and equipped in the setting where you are serving, in the culture and environment where you serve? And have you ever felt, either positively or negatively, your, your gender come into play um, as, as you are wrestling with or thinking about your call to ministry, your call to leadership, where, mm-hmm. where your voice is within the church? So that, I had never been involved in a Baptist church ever in my life until I came to college and got really? plugged. And never, never. I was raised Presbyterian, like liturgical. Because uh, I forget the school that you went to. Yeah. 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 And my school was attached to my church, which was Presbyterian. So it was like, hi, we're Presbyterian. This is Reformed theology. And here you go. And so... And, you know, I never even knew there were different mm-hmm. things, right. ever. Right. I didn't even know. I had no idea that there were places that believed baptism by sprinkling wasn't a thing, and I didn't even know. So I thought that was going to be a much bigger issue than it has been, being involved in ministry in the way that I have. And it's not an issue. I have my own personal views, and mm-hmm. um, and I think notoriously, um, people can feel like Baptists are because we have Westboro Baptists, we have Baptist churches that are like, yeah, oh my gosh, terrible. Um, so I think people can just automatically assume Baptists are like very judgmental and very mm-hmm. Southern and very all these things, which sometimes they can be. Um, but I have personally felt, especially as a worship leader, so much room to grow and to evolve and to become really rooted in my leadership as a worship leader. And I have even had conversations with my worship pastor who has said, like, this is a calling on your life. This is a strength that you have. 
and this is something you should keep pursuing. And he's like, I want to give you as many opportunities as I can to make sure that you have platform, that you have leadership, mm-hmm. which meant a lot to me, Yeah, you know? Um, and so that's been really rewarding mm-hmm. for me. And I have so many examples in my church alone of women I look up to mm-hmm. who have leadership abilities, who are so strong and just people that I admire so much. Mm-hmm. And that's been really rewarding for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been something really special that I've been able to experience is having maybe preconceived notions of what the Baptist church was going to be like and it ended up not being that way for me. You know, I'm yeah. like really blessed to be involved in it. And obviously our senior pastor is just the bomb. And so, and he and I are very close too. And I'm just so close with their family. And so I just, it's a really special thing I have there. I feel it's really special. Yeah. What, what, I, what I think I'm hearing from you is that your your calling has been to serve in this church yeah less than less than it has been a call to serve in a denomination right yeah that, yes that yeah you found a home in that local community yeah, yeah. and people who championed you and who in and, and mm-hmm. who have set an example for you of what it looks like to be a woman to be a woman in lead yeah in ministry there and have been very encouraging of that yeah so I thought I thought a lot about this question because I think it's unique obviously that we're all part of, you know, different denominations, but to be honest, I never really think about it. Like I think it's unique, but it's not really my main focus. I think through like church and life, my main focus especially when it comes to like my role as like a woman in the church, like I I feel like Matt and Jill have done an amazing job with lifting up um, women in the church and Great, sure. the fact that, you know, and we've, we've worked through because we are a planted church, you know, and we're coming on three years, we have worked through a lot of kinks and, you know, really forming that language and that culture of like, what do we believe in? Yeah. And I think that they are incredible and they just, they empower mm-hmm. men and women both to be on platform and speak. And as a creative, I have the honor of visually bringing out mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's amazing that, you know, I'm the first full-time person here at church, yeah. and it's because they believe in me. Right. And I feel like they've given me a place, and they're yeah. like, you have the vision of this church, and we see that in you, and we trust you fully yeah. to bring that out. And because of that, that's been, like, the most rewarding thing for me because mm-hmm. I never have felt differently. Like, I've always felt like they love me, they see me for mm-hmm. who I am, and they believe in me. Mm-hmm. And... I always laugh because I'm like, I work behind the scenes and I'm not one to like, you know, go on stage and speak and stuff like that. Cause mm-hmm. I'm, it's such, I'm such a back behind the scenes person that when it comes to using my voice and speaking and stuff that it's a different hat I have to put on. I have to think with a different side of my brain mm-hmm. and they, they see that in me as well. And that's something I yet don't see in myself, but mm-hmm. they see it in me. They're like, you're going to speak one day. And, you know, last weekend, Matt was like, bring a short word to team meeting. And it literally, I think I spoke for like 30 seconds. But like the start yeah. of that, the reasoning he asked me was because to begin with, he they see gold in me that I yet may not see in myself. Yeah. But I think it's beautiful because it's like they see, they see so much and they see the future and they see where church is going. And they don't want to just lift me up, but they want to lift up 
a lot of the women in our church. And because of their view on, you know, the women in our church, I just naturally see women walking around and I'm like, they're going to speak, they're going to speak, they're going to speak because I'm just, it's amazing to see them come up and like their voices be heard through that. So it, it, it seems like you've, you've found a home that is Mm -hmm. incredibly encouraging. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of never having to think about your gender is something that would stand in the way of your gifting yeah and being and being in a place where that's never been a consideration yeah like that's got to be so freeing because it because it 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 sets it it breaks some chains free Yeah. yeah totally this is an interesting question for me because um i'm i'm a woman i identify as female but i also am a woman of color and so there can be a lot of layers that comes with that as well depending you know on your experience and stuff for my experience it has been and um, I was raised Southern Baptist um, where when I think of um, church growing up I think of it being very male driven mm-hmm. um, and for sure n- and none of the males looked like my dad or mm. like my brothers and so they were all like white males and so um, that was like like I think that's also ministry was just not a tangible thing for me because it was like it was a, a man's show um mm-hmm. and also you were, like I was raised thinking Jesus was white <laughs> so that also was like a very big thing like Jesus was has a different experience than I do like some Nordic blue-eyed right blonde hair with guy. yeah mm-hmm. for sure um and so like Jesus doesn't know my experience right mm-hmm. and so as I've like grown up and <laughs> learned that Jesus is surely he's not white, um, there have there are a lot of things have changed. So, anyways, all of that has bled into the way that I see what I value in a church, and um, I'm in an, I'm in an interesting spot where I find myself working in an Episcopal church, although I'm not Episcopalian, um, and then I have also had my fair share in the Methodist world, and so. I'm in this spot where I know that a liturgical denomination is for me. Um, Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, and so it's been a a cool experience in that sense. And I'm drawn towards the Episcopal Church for a lot of the things they stand for, one of them being that they ordained, they were like the first denomination to ordain women. And that's big for me, um, knowing that the Big C Church is like on my side. Um, Wow. And so that... Like once I once I've unpacked that, it bleeds into um, my experience because although Big C Church may say the right things, like my local church may not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I work the the church that I work at is in Ponte Vedra, Florida, which Ponte Vedra Beach, which if you know that area, it is um, like it is a predominantly white area, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. very upper class. And so um, mm-hmm. I was very hesitant when I started to work there because I was like none of I, I mean, I was working with kids, but none of those kids looked like me. Um, and I knew that my heart was for a more of a diverse space. Like mm-hmm. that's what I like I my like soul longed for. And so um, anyways, m- your question is what ha- what is my experience? My experience has been that I have been given this platform. Um, to be able to share my experience. And although none of these people may know what it's like, um, I get to 
they 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 get to know me and trust me and love me first Mm -hmm. and then I'm able then to share my story Mm -hmm. um which there's a really great quote that I think sums up the way that I see a lot of these things is that you can't love anyone that you haven't heard their story Mm -hmm. yeah and so Mm -hmm. my experience with that has been that I've been given the voice and the platform and the clergy at Christ Church has been really phenomenal to hear me and to ask questions and allow me to raise questions as well um which i had never experienced before and so that was like really really sweet to know that that is a possibility and that people actually hear me and stuff Mm -hmm. but knowing that those options are available to me are huge um for like like again talking big c church um you know and knowing that those those things are are important to um that denomination as a whole and so it it has allowed me to to, you know open that platform for me and and know that it's available it's you know and I think a big thing that I like to point out as well is that I don't feel like a token colored woman Mm -hmm. on staff like I Mm -hmm. there have been times where I feel like I've been handed the mic simply because they were like they needed to check off a box saying that they were diverse Mm -hmm. and that they hand the mic over and I truly don't feel that way here um and, and so that has been very special and unique to my experience, and I know that's not everyone's experience. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, that's so cool to hear just the, the way that it's so different across mm-hmm. these yeah. three stories. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the impetus, let me go ahead and confess this. The, the impetus about a month and a half ago, we just posted the 13th episode of, of the podcast, and one of the things my wife began noticing very quickly in the first six or seven podcasts was, at first she said it kind of jokingly, are you only interviewing men? Right. And then it was one of those things, and, and so I didn't think much of it the first time I thought she was saying it jokingly, and, and then when she mentioned it again, she said, she said, you know, you're, you're only hearing from half the church. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so it felt really compelled that that I needed to do a better job of making sure that, that I was listening to women's voices and elevating women's voices. Right. How can the global church elevate women's voices better? That's global church. Okay. Of all these questions, the one that I personally felt the strongest about was how can the global church elevate women's voices better? And I wrote something out, and I really like what I said, so I'm just going to read it off the page. It says, Give women a seat at the table not a place to wait in the doorway, not a seat on the floor. Give them a chair at the table with a nameplate. Make it official. Yeah, that's beautiful. Like, we need a place at the table. And not like, hey, we thought maybe you'd like this thing. Like, we want you here. Right. Mm. Like, your voice Um, is just as important as the next person. Equally important. Yeah. Literally what I wrote down under that question. (gasps) I said knowing that they have a place. Yes. That's what I wrote. That's so good. We need a nameplate on the table. Unpack what that means. Like, I'm not the intern sitting behind the person who belongs at the table. I belong at the table. My name is there. Like, hey, there's a seat saved for me. Yeah. Not necessarily Danielle, although that'd be cool, but like for a woman, for women at the table. So that's so important to me. I think a lot of, I think different denominations are doing wonderful things for women. I think some denominations mm-hmm. are not doing wonderful things mm-hmm. for women, mm-hmm. and that's why I think this can be a tricky thing to answer because mm-hmm. it's like I can't speak for denominations that are doing well, and I can't necessarily speak for all of them that aren't doing well. Yeah. But I think 
at large, the more women have voices and the more women are told your opinion matters in the church, I think we're going to see the roof fly off the place for how we can reach people for the gospel. When you bring that different, beautiful, textured perspective to gospel-giving, life-bringing message Mm -hmm. where you can connect in a way that maybe a man can't connect. Yeah. Um, And we need a seat at the table. Hmm. I've, I mean, there's, every church is handling it differently. Um, I think these days more churches are understanding the value of, of women in the church, but I still think there's so much more work to be done. For sure. Um, the churches that I have seen, you know, just in general, like women whose voices are being heard and knowing that they have a place at the table, the beauty that I see in that is women knowing that they have the opportunity to be bold, mm-hmm. to be strong. Justice strength isn't just for men, it's for women as well. Yeah. Authentic, emotional, compassionate, um, just the way God designed us to be. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, God designed us to be a specific way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like using our voice to honor God because he's empowered us in his own unique design. There, it's just something that you can't explain. You just have to do. So do things come to mind? <laughs> They're both stories. Um, I think of, like, the story of the woman at the well. And I think of the way that Jesus came to her um, knowing exactly who she was mm-hmm. and, and, like, and accepted that all. Mm-hmm. And so, and then I also think of the first episode of season two of Queer Eye. And it speaks of a woman a black woman in southern Georgia who gives herself entirely to the church. And when she talks about the history of that particular church, she talks about the women in her family. Mm-hmm. And she talks about these like these powerful and bold black women who who built this church up from nothing. When when the man decided to leave that church that led that 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 church, the women were there to pick up the stuff. I think that says so much about what I, I envision, what I would want B- Big C Church to look like, is knowing that women have been here all along. Yeah. And that, believe it or not, a lot of the time women have been the ones to pick up the pieces behind you. Um, and what has happened in exchange is that you've claimed those pieces as your own. And so the big man at the table has seen the woman pick up these pieces. And instead the man has picked up, grabbed him from the woman and said, oh, I did this. Mm-hmm. And the woman has graciously sat and, and has, has accepted that. But I think our time has come to where that female, that woman is able to say, actually, no, you didn't. I did, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not so much of a selfish thing. It's not so much. It's not that it's wanting to know our value. It's knowing that we are like Danielle said, we have a seat at this table mm-hmm. and that we believe that when Jesus set this table, he set it for all. Yeah. And so those are the two things that come to mind. Yeah. I mean, I could talk about this all day long, Rob Stone, you know this, yeah. <laughs> but like, I think that kind of sums up my thoughts on all that. Yeah. As a follow-up, I would say, and I wrote this down, is as a woman, we are, I am, fighting tooth and nail to earn the respect that a man gets simply by existing. Right. Mm -hmm. I want my voice to be on the same level as 
a man right. who speaks in a room. Right. You know? And um, I agree with what you said. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. I want to thank my guest on the podcast this week, Karina Aragon Buchanan, Mallory Awesome, and Danielle Jordan. What a treat it was to have these three ladies on the podcast to hear their stories and to hear their input as a generation of millennial women who are following Jesus into their calling and into all that God has for them. And so interesting to hear their thoughts as they wrestle with calling to ministry and the life that's ahead for them and how their gender plays a role in all of that. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Of course, we'll see you back next Monday. If you are listening to this currently on Apple Podcasts, I really want to encourage you to either give us a five-star rating or go on and write a review. That's going to help other people connect to the content that you're hearing and uh, hopefully get more ears listening to the podcast. But I pray that God is doing a marvelous work in your life right now and that he is blessing you and your family. So God bless you and we will see you next Monday. The most recent one. The most recent laugh attack was when you guys saw that video and I showed you that video on my phone and I put it like on the smart TV of me dancing. Oh, that's crawling. And I literally was like, I'm going to prep for Karina's wedding. So I legit like, I'll show you the video. It's the funniest thing. It is so funny. And I have my phone propped up on the TV and the song is playing and I think it's a good time to go down and like try and like do, do like a body worm. And so I do it and it's like gong gong. And like, flops, like I legit flop. I flop onto the ground so hard. So Karina's watching this video thinking like, you know, Karina and Danielle are watching this like all cute, like she's dancing. And then I do that and it literally, the loudness of me banging on the ground was like. It shook. The TV shook. The TV like shook. Everything. The the TV shook. It was so funny. It was so funny. It was on the Richter scale. It was so funny. It was next level.